we covered quite a lot of ground in a short space of time. So this morning I wanted to start with just a quick overview, recap of what we did yesterday. And I began by describing how with mindfulness of breathing we can highlight two somewhat distinct aspects of the breath. We can use the breath in the service of deepening calm and concentration and we can use the breath in the service of sharpening mindfulness, refining our attention to the distinct qualities of the breath. Then we looked at some different definitions of mindfulness and what most of them have in common is this invitation to be, be present with our experience in the present moment with an attitude of bare awareness or kind curiosity, interest rather than reactivity. And then last night I uh, introduced the uh, teaching on the three universal characteristics of impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, and not-self, and how all of this mindfulness that we're practicing is really in the service of insight into these three characteristics on deeper and deeper levels. So just coming back to that first one, the universal characteristic of impermanence, when we start to pay attention to all the details of our experience, we really see that they're constantly changing. The only constant is change. So each breath is subtly different. Each physical sensation in the body comes and goes. And as I am guessing you have all noticed, the mindfulness itself seems to come and go. And one of the challenges with the word mindfulness in English is that it's a noun, a thing. So it sounds like this static quality that we either have it or we don't have it. But as we start to pay more attention to the mindfulness itself, we can notice that it can have different qualities at different times. So I think uh, Graham was mentioning yesterday, sometimes the attention naturally just seems to narrow in and become very close to the experience. And it's almost like we have the macro lens on our camera and we start to see all the tiny details of the experience in extreme close-up or like high definition. At other times, it's more like we have a wide-angle or panoramic mindfulness and we're taking in a lot more of our experience, but we're still present with it. And we can play with this, these different sort of lenses of mindfulness. So, for example, if the mind is feeling a little bit tight or contracted or controlled in some way and we're developing a reactivity to that, you might consciously just open up the awareness to include more of a sort of soft focus awareness of a range of different objects. On the other hand, if you're starting to feel a little bit spacey or floaty, not a little bit disconnected, then it might be an idea to just focus in on one small aspect of your experience and sharpen and refine the mindfulness in that way. So in all of this, we're looking for a balanced effort. As uh, one of my teachers, Joseph, likes to say, relaxed, but not casual. 
So finding that balance between settling back and receiving experience, but not forcing or straining or tightening the mind. So to that end, as uh, Graham mentioned earlier today, we try to maintain a continuous non-striving mindfulness throughout the day. So rather than privileging the sittings and the walkings, the formal meditation, and then just kind of collapsing once the sessions in the hall are finished, we're trying to maintain this mindfulness through everything we're doing through the day. So one friend of mine, Greg Scharf, who I'll be teaching with here again in September, he talks about in-betweenings. So we have the sittings, the walkings, and the in-betweenings. And these in-betweenings are everything that we do outside of the hall. And he even suggests that at times we can play with reversing our usual hierarchy and give most importance to the in-betweenings. What's it like to go to the bathroom, to walk slowly and mindfully, open the door, and so on? And this is really in line with the Satipatthana Sutta, where the Buddha talked about bringing awareness to moving, staying still, sitting, walking, standing, lying down, eating, talking, being silent, dressing, all these kind of things, even urinating and defecating. So everything is brought into this mindfulness. And just to bring awareness to how much effort that we're making throughout the day, because as one teacher says, a Saito Utejaniya, he has a, quite an interesting uh, illustration of how much effort do we actually need. Where he asks us, and you can try this now, like just to raise your hands. Raise your hands in front of you like this. And then just slowly, mindfully bring them together until they're touching. And when they're touching, do you know that your hands are touching? Yeah? That's the amount of mindfulness it takes. But I know for myself in the beginning, I was like touching, touching, hands touching. And there was a unseen level of effort and tension that I was adding. I was overshooting the mark of the mindfulness. So when the mindfulness is just that relaxed, knowing that the hands are touching, it's much more sustainable throughout the day. And sometimes the analogy is used of a, a pot of water on the stove. If we want to boil the water, if we turn it up for 30 seconds, then turn it off and go away, come back 10 minutes later, give it another blast for five minutes, turn it off, obviously it will take a very long time for the pot of water to boil, if at all. But if we just have a slow, steady, gentle flame, that continuity is what brings the water to the boil. In a similar way, another analogy is that of a jar of muddy pond water. So the mind often is um, stirred up and agitated. And every time we lose our mindfulness, it's like we shake the jar of pond water a little bit more. But if we can just put the jar of pond water on the shelf and leave it there, over time, naturally, the sediment settles out and we get clear water. So metaphorically, this continuity of mindfulness is what allows the settling of the sediment.
So we can use the technique that's sometimes known as mental noting to help us really stay connected to our experience. So often in the instructions for mindfulness of breathing, we're invited to note in as we breathe in, out as we breathe out, or rising and falling if the attention is more on the abdomen as we breathe. Similarly, as Graham mentioned yesterday with the walking, sometimes we can use the noting of lifting, moving, and placing as we walk as a tool to help us stay connected to our experience. This tool of mental noting can be really useful in terms of mindfulness of the body. So yesterday, as we were doing that exercise of speaking out loud what we're aware of in the body, that's an external form of of mental noting that can help refine our awareness of what's happening. And the language that we use can be quite significant. So particularly when it comes to discomfort in the body, if we're noting pain, 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 we might start to notice that the mind is becoming more tight. So the invitation when you're working with discomfort in the body, rather than using the word pain, is to see if you can get very curious kindly curious about what are the specific sensations that I might ordinarily think of as pain. So you might notice a note to yourself, oh, burning, heaviness, pulling, stabbing, heat, tingling, moment of relief, numbness, throbbing, and so on. So in this way, we're really training in bodily literacy to be able to know more and more refined details of our experience. So if you are experiencing some discomfort, the first suggestion is to see if you can just stay with it for a few moments. Bring that attitude of kind curiosity to it and name what are its actual physical characteristics. And then at some point, by all means, as I said yesterday, you can just mindfully bow and change position. And again, inviting you at any time to stand if that feels helpful. So in this next uh, meditation session, I'm going to invite us to begin to open up the field of awareness slightly. So we've been focusing mostly on the breath. I'll be incorporating more working with the body using the mental noting for yourselves that I just described. And we'll also open up to include the experience of hearing. Because again, in this service of exploring different lenses of mindfulness, sometimes it can be very helpful to open up and use sound as what's sometimes referred to as your primary anchor. So ordinarily we use the breath and we come back to the breath as our anchor Again, if you're feeling sort of tight or contracted, sometimes switching your primary object to sound can be a very powerful exercise. So as you're sitting, you simply sit and receive the experience of hearing. And for as long as the sound lasts, you simply note hearing, hearing. And the beauty of using hearing as an object is that it's happening automatically. We don't have to make anything happen. We don't have to identify the sounds or follow the sounds. 
we can simply note hearing, hearing. So that's what we'll be doing in this next session. <laughs> 